People who are not affected by the climate crisis are the ones who find it hard to grasp the severity of climate change, of course, because they're not affected by it. They don't believe that the earth is warming. Um, they don't believe in sea level rise because they live in areas which are not vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. Let's say, for example, here in the Philippines, um, when you look at the climate change risk index, so Philippines is among the top countries that is actually most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. Like we experience a lot of typhoons, not only na more intense, no, but it also makes it more frequent. It's because of the climate crisis right now. So in the Philippines, the impacts are actually interconnected. People from the grassroots level up to the highest, everyone's affected by it. The Ask Theory podcast shines the spotlight on Pinoy scientists from various scientific disciplines. Listen to some of the country's best scientific minds as they explain what they do in simple terms and share fascinating stories of how they got into science, the incredible things they've learned about the world around us, and so much more. Hello, how are you? I'm okay. It's just that I'm currently a student right now. So I'm a college student. So of course, I'm taking my online classes. So, so, ah. so far, I'm, I'm okay naman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but classes have just started, am I right? Um, for me, um, it just started August 16. Uh-huh. So yeah. it's almost a month already. Oh, wow. And, yes. and so far, it's been remote learning, right? Yes, remote learning. But sometimes I just go to the marine laboratory in Silliman University. Um, it's because I'm taking my thesis right now and my soil samples are there. So it's for my thesis. Ah, okay, yes. okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I'm glad that you don't have any difficulties like moving around, getting to where you have to go, especially in this pandemic. Um, so far, wala naman. Just that, of mm. course, I need to follow the basic protocols like wearing a face mask, face shield, something like that. <laughs> Yes, uh, yes the course. precautionary measures during mm-hmm. this uh, this weird time. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So let's get started. Uh, I'd like the audience to know a bit more about you. So, can you tell us a bit about yourself, what you're doing right now, and how you fell in love with science? Hello, everyone. So, to formally introduce myself. No. So, my name is Matthew Vincent Tabilog. I'm currently a fourth-year student uh, taking Bachelor of Science in Marine Biology from the Institute of Environmental and Marine Sciences in Silliman University. So I'm currently 21. No, I just turned 22 just yesterday. <laughs> so Wait, belated happy birthday. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Okay, Thank you so much. No. I'm a marine biology student, but I'm currently focusing on marine plants, specifically on mangroves. That's why I established a Mangrove Matters page. So it's actually a youth organization that aims to um, promote or, let's say, mainstream the idea of mangrove conservation in the country. So I remember taking my marine botany class with Dr. Hilconida Kalompong. Um, when I took that subject, she mentioned that botany is a dying breed. Wow. So from that line alone, of course, it was something that made me inspired to study marine plants. Because here in the Philippines, there are only few marine botanists here. So, of course, I also want to contribute. So that's why I really want to study marine plants. But for now, um, I want to focus on mangroves. So how I fell in love with science. I remember when I was a child, of course, like 
I was a child full of curiosities and I remember enjoying watching videos about plants, about animals, especially on um, National Geographic Channel and even Discovery Channel. But after years, of course, like the introduction of the internet. So I just spend most of my days on YouTube. I remember watching videos, let's say the top 10 dinosaurs, top 10 extinct animals. Yeah. So from those videos that I watched, um, those were really inspiring for me personally because it made me f- um, fall in love with science. And then I remember when I was in elementary I remember joining the Science Blockbuster Quiz B where our team won champion, of course. And then when I was in grade 7, oh, by the way, I'm one of the pioneering um, students, or let's say the batch for the K-12. So that's why I was in uh-huh. grade 7. Uh-huh. So of course, when I was in grade 7, naman, um, I also joined the same competition. No? So we won, uh, no, we won second place. And then to think that the competitors were from second year, third year, fourth year, high school students. So, of course, we were the youngest and they had more advantage because, of course, they had learned more about science. And then I remember that my technique or let's say my uh, my way of studying for that quiz B was that I just borrowed the different textbooks of science. For example, first year science textbook, second year, third year, fourth year. And I just read the glossary of those textbooks <laughs> so of course mm-hmm. in the in the in the glossary section everything is there so just because of that no um i was able to appreciate science more so just because of that glossary section um when i used to <laughs> practice or let's say when i used to um study for the different science quiz bees in elementary and even in high school so that's it and then and I thought I wanted to become a medical doctor, but no, <laughs> I'm actually afraid of blood. So I, I actually wanted to take um, nursing or medical technology. But because I have that fear, um, I decided to go to biological sciences. And then it's just that um, Siliman offered marine biology. Like we're actually the first batch for that, for that Bachelor of Science because Siliman has already offered uh, marine biology for grad school. So they have already PhD and masters. So for BS, we're the first batch. So okay, why not? So <laughs> I, I took that opportunity to get um, marine biology, and I'm really happy that I'm part of um, the institute right now. Uh huh. Okay. So it's yeah, it's interesting for me to to hear that you basically the approach or the attitude towards taking a science course for you was why not? Yes. So now I'm going to ask about your why. So in one sentence, what is your why? What is your mission as a scientist? In a single sentence, that would be science for the people and the environment. Science should be inclusive. Science should be accessible to everyone. Moreover, the impacts from science should be able to find, not only to find, no, but also to provide um, different problems that the community or even the environment is facing. And new discoveries can also lead to different developments, and these should be sustainable, and these should not destroy our environment. So basically, science for the people and the environment, because I really want science to be inclusive. No, um, I want everyone to be able to grasp the contributions of science, and we should also take note that that's why we have science communication. No, we don't want science to be ultimately technical. We want science that everyone would be able to digest in terms of its contents or in terms of its information. That's why for a single sentence, no, I would say it's science for the people and the environment. 
And I think that's a really great one-sentence answer to this question. So since we're talking about the environment, I want to center the next part of our discussion on a specific segment or part of the environment. To be more precise, the marine environment. Could you give us some of the most major or tragic misconceptions that people tend to have about mangroves, uh, seagrasses, and coral reefs that you've encountered? So, of course, when we talk about the different coastal habitats, like Philippines has these uh, three major coastal habitats. So we have the mangroves, we have the seagrasses, and we have the coral reefs. So those are the habitats where the commercially important fishes, crustaceans, shrimps, and other marine invertebrates thrive because those coastal habitats um, contribute to food security and also to the livelihoods for the people who live in the coastal communities, of course. So for the different misconceptions on Siguro, no? for mangrove seagrasses and corals, um, Overall, lang, like people actually, I don't know, they, they just acknowledge that they're there, but they do not know that they actually have socio-economic and ecological services to the people and to the environment. So like, for example, for mangroves, no, like people think that mangrove planting is just simply sticking the seedling or sapling in the soil. And, uh-huh. it, it, and it will just grow lang. But no. So, of course, I'm um, here in the Philippines. We have already conducted a lot of, um, or let's say we have already participated with different um, mangrove planting activities. Like People just plant, take photos, and leave. But no. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, there are actually proper protocols that should be followed when planting mangroves. And monitoring should be part of the process. So, when we say monitoring, it's that, okay, I'm done planting my mangroves now. So, after a few months or so, I'll go back to the mangrove areas where I planted those seedlings. And then I will try to check if the seedlings or saplings that I actually planted were able to survive. Because when whenever we do mangrove planting activities, no, like the things that we need to include are the species of mangroves that we need to plant. I've already attended a lot of talks with um, Dr. Primavera. So she's She's the highest authority with mangroves here in the Philippines. Like She has a lot of publications regarding mangroves. She always emphasizes to plant the right species of mangroves in the right zones. This is because a lot of um, mangrove planting activities here in the Philippines, they do not plant the correct species in the correct zones. We need consultation with our scientists or even local scientists rather. That's why it's really important to consult them because we need better management and also sustainability for our project. Another thing for mangroves, no? so people also do not know that the sticks that protrude from the ground in the mangrove soils are actually their roots. Like mm-hmm. People would just simply step on them because they think those are just, those are just I don't know, sticks? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. So those are actually the roots of mangroves. So those are, let's say, pneumatophores. It's kind of technical, but that's actually the term. So those serve as their breathing roots to adapt to the coastal environment because, of course, they live in a coastal environment and there are changes in the tide, so high tide and then lowest tide. So um, their roots, um, those roots actually serve as their breathing roots. And it's really important that people should know that those are roots. Those are actually plant of those mangroves. They cannot just simply step on them. And then for seagrasses, one misconception, siguro, ano? People think that seagrasses are seaweeds. <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay. this is yeah. Actually, they're not. No. So what what are what are the differences between seagrasses and seaweeds? Number one, um, seagrasses are vascular plants like 
they produce flowers, they produce seeds, they produce fruits, whereas seaweeds do not. So the seaweeds are not vascular plants. So for them to reproduce, no. So seaweeds actually produce spores. Seagrasses have roots with them, or let's say rhizomes. Algae, on the other hand, um, they have holdfasts. So those are actually different from each other. And then seagrass uses its roots to extract nutrients from the sediment, but seaweeds extract nutrients from the water itself. Aside from those differences, no, um, of course, the seagrasses and seaweeds are threatened by anthropogenic factors and even by climate change, but we'll go on to that one later on. Yes. For corals naman, coral reefs are not rocks. <laughs> they are organisms. <laughs> yes. So coral reefs are composed of um, thousands, hundreds of living tiny organisms, which are called polyps. No, So these are actually marine invertebrates. So they are related to jellyfish and sea anemones because they're from phylum Cnidaria. They have a symbiotic relationship with microscopic algae called zooxanthellae, which thrive in their tissues and facilitate photosynthesis for them to grow. And of course, what makes these corals colorful, it's because of these algae. So the zooxanthellae provide food for the corals via photosynthesis, and the corals provide protection and nutrients to these uh, zooxanthellae. So they have this symbiotic relationship with each other. However, um, as what I have mentioned earlier, these coastal habitats are ultimately threatened by the impacts of climate change and anthropogenic activities. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. <laughs> Those are a lot of misconceptions, and I'm glad that you were able to address all of them because... You know, it's one thing to be aware, especially since you mentioned, like, the example that you gave earlier about mangrove planting. Like, people think that, you know, having these activities alone, they're they're good. You know, you just plant them and leave them there because it's water, right? It should grow on its own. Yes. And they're, they're, yeah, there's rarely any... I mean, I can't really speak for all projects. I mean, who knows that, you know, some projects might actually include the monitoring stage, but... For the most part, the ones that tend to get shared a lot on social media or talked about, it's always about the planting phase and not much discussion revolving around the monitoring part, which, as you've mentioned, is important. Yes. Now, I want to move from these coastal habitats to another concept, one that is not that familiar with, I would imagine, the average person. And it's it's something that I also am not that familiar with. Like, I'm, I've, I've read about it. I've... I know the basics of it, but I would like to learn more about it. And this concept is blue carbon. So what is blue carbon exactly and why does it matter? What makes it different from regular carbon? To be honest, I, my thesis right now is about blue carbon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So for blue carbon, no? so blue carbon refers to the carbon being stored by mangroves, seagrasses, and tidal salt marshes. So for tidal salt marshes, this is, this is also another ecosystem, but it's you can find this mostly in temperate areas already. So here in the Philippines, I think we only have mangroves and seagrasses. I don't know if we have tidal salt marshes here, but most of these are actually um, found in the temperate areas. Mm-hmm. So of course, like for us, like we're in the trop- in the tropics, so we we live in a different environment, different temperature, of course. So again, blue carbon refers to the carbon being sequestered by mangroves, seagrasses, and tidal salt marshes in the living above-ground biomass. So what's the living above-ground biomass? This includes the leaves, the stems, and the branches. And then for the below-ground biomass, these are the roots. 
And then the non-living biomass are the leaf litter or like the fallen leaves and even the dead wood. So why it's called blue carbon? No? It's because those are coastal habitats. They are in an area where there is water. So that's why it's called blue carbon. These coastal habitats have a great contribution in combating the impacts of climate change. Let's say, for example, for mangroves. No? So mangrove forests are among the most um, carbon-rich biomes containing an average of 937 tons of carbon per hectare. Um, this is because of their great carbon burial. No? So these are also habitats to different organisms, which makes the ecosystem ultimately productive. However, um, we should also take note that destroying our blue carbon habitats can also contribute to climate change. The stored carbon from the soils will be released into the atmosphere. For example, in a mangrove forest, most of the carbon are stored within the soils. So the carbon that they sequester, of course, because of photosynthesis, they need carbon dioxide. So most of the carbon are being stored in their living biomass and also in their non-living biomass. So uh, most of the carbons are stored in the soil. And then whenever there's mangrove deforestation, the stored carbon from the soil will be released into the atmosphere. So carbon is di ba, C. And then it will fuse with the atmosphere. So O2, oxygen. No? So maging CO2 na siya. So parang tataas na yung concentration ng greenhouse gases natin. Because yung carbon kasi, nandun lang kasi sa ilalim eh. Like it's just in the soil. But if you disturb the area, yung carbon na trap sa ilalim, it will go out. So that's why mangrove deforestation even seagrass na destruction, those contribute to climate change. Knowing that they are carbon sinks, they will turn into carbon sources. Yeah, that was a very comprehensive and thorough explanation of what blue carbon is. So I think it's it's clear why it's special or why it matters. But maybe you could provide clarity on another thing that we tend to hear about in the news a lot. <laughs> no? Lalong-lalo na, I think recently there was one project na matunog na matunog and up to now, it's still being talked about. In fact, it's something that we talked about in an earlier podcast, and it's a reclamation project. Of course. We hear the term reclamation project a lot, but what does it mean really? What do these projects really entail? And why is it that people who are usually in the affected areas and scientists tend to oppose these uh, so-called reclamation projects? What, what, what's going on with these reclamation projects ba? So let's first define what's a reclamation, no? So, or let's say reclamation projects. So these are actually acts of creating new land from bodies of water such as the sea, you can also have it on the lakes and even riverbeds to make room to raise, of course, a substrate of a low-lying land underwater. So for reclamations, no? So these process is commonly utilized for different economic uses. So housing industry, agriculture, and so on. So for the reclamations, there are a lot of effects that can actually be negative to our coastal habitats. Again, so we have mangroves, seagrasses, and coral reefs. They can cause large displacement of the marine sediments, they can pollute the waters, and it can also kill species in the process. So number one, they can be a displacement of fisher folks and their loss of livelihood. 
So, for example, uh, you want to reclaim a land in an area where there is a marine protected area or let's say an area near a marine protected area. So, of course, if you reclaim a land there and then the marine protected area will be buried na, where will all the fishes go? Of course, they will try to find different habitats. Fisher folk communities will have a hard time finding fish because, of course, that's their livelihood. Another thing, no? So, coastal habitat destruction and, of course, changes in the water dynamics. Who knows? When you establish a reclamation area there, there will be changes in the substrate. There might be an occurrence of soil erosion because um nag-iiba na yung currents because the reclamation already changed the flow of the water. So can also be a threat to food security um, because our commercially important fishes and marine invertebrates thrive in the coastal areas. And then for reclamation projects here in the Philippines, the most notable right now is the one in Dumaguete yes. and the other one in Bulacan for the Aerotropolis project. Mm-hmm. So for here in Dumaguete, because right now I'm in Dumaguete, people are still fighting the fight is not yet done, of course, because we want the project to be ultimately scrapped or ultimately abolished. For the Aerotropolis in Bulacan, the thing about this one is that they will potentially chop off the remaining mangroves in Manila Bay. And to think that um, the remaining mangroves in Manila Bay are only few. And to think also that the Aerotropolis in Bulacan can also cause bird strikes because some areas in Manila Bay are important bird areas. So there might be bird strikes. So for the Aerotropolis, they want to place a new airport there. So who knows whenever there are migratory birds there and then there's an airplane that will pass by. Ah. Airplanes can hit some of those birds during migration season. Yes. So that's another thing that they also need to consider whenever we have um, whenever they want to establish reclamation projects that's why people oppose to them because it's a threat to the people and also it's also a threat to our coastal habitats yeah so and now talking about things that have a huge impact on the environment let's talk about the climate crisis we've been hearing about climate change for decades now and you know the, the general attitude is it's it's kind of hard to to encapsulate because there are people who definitely believe the evidence and say that and, and and do believe that there is a climate crisis and there are still people who don't so in your opinion what makes it hard for people to grasp the uh, the severity or even the reality of the climate crisis people who are not affected by the climate crisis are the ones who find it hard to grasp the severity mm-hmm. of climate change of course because they're not affected by it. They don't believe that the earth is warming. Um, they don't believe in sea level rise because they live in areas which are not vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. Let's say, for example, here in the Philippines, um, when you look at the climate change risk index, so Philippines is among the top countries that is actually most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. Like we experience a lot of typhoons not only na more intense no but it also makes it more frequent it's because of yeah. the climate crisis right now so in the philippines the impacts are actually interconnected people from the grassroots level up to the highest everyone's affected by it so during the pre-industrial period let's say around 1770s so i remember the value so it's like 278 parts per million ang um, Concentration of carbon dioxide. Carbon, yeah. Uh. But right now, 2020, it's 
roughly 417 parts per million. So, it's, ano na, grabe talaga yung pag-add ng CO2 emissions natin. So, another thing also is that CO2 emissions ultimately went high during the 1950s. If you try to look at the graph, no, um, if you just go Google, like, say, CO2 emissions, and then you'll see, like, the graph went high during the 1950s. And then the downside about that is that countries that do not contribute highly to climate change are the ones who are the most vulnerable. Let's say, for example, again, Philippines again. That's why we are calling for climate justice. eh? Philippines, we do not emit this this amount of carbon dioxide. And to think that first world countries, no? Um, malaki talaga yung pag-emit um, nila sa carbon dioxide or let's say greenhouse gases. Pero they're not the ones who are always affected by the effects of climate change. So that's why it's really hard, honestly, for people to grasp the severity of the climate crisis because they're not affected by it. But if people are actually affected by it, they'd know. That's why if I want, if ever I'd want to talk to people who deny the S, who deny, no? climate change, I want to talk to them in a personal manner. I mean, in make it more personal rather. Let's say, for example, na ako, I'm a Filipino and ako, I've already experienced a lot of typhoons. Sila, in their own areas, they do not. And then, dito, sobrang init na. And, of course, I would, I would also want to mention who are those people who will be most likely to be affected. Of course, people in the the marginalized sectors na or people who are contributing to food security no so we have the farmers we have the fisher folks and the sad thing about that one those people um contribute highly to food security also among the poorest sectors in the country and to think that climate change is exacerbating their current problems right now so for example yung fisher folks natin because of climate change of course coral bleaching, um, yung mga fishes natin, they'll go to different areas na kasi sobrang init. So, parang may fish migration na tinatawag because they yeah. cannot tolerate the sea surface temperature. So, they'll find different areas. So, um, fisher folks have no choice but to go way beyond the municipal waters just to find fish. And if you're already beyond the municipal waters, it's already, ano, it's really dangerous for them knowing that most of them are small-scale fisher folks and who knows, the hydro dynamics or let's say the hydrodynamic forces are too strong beyond those uh, beyond that area na. and then for the farmers no let's say it's too hot and then yung mga crops they won't be able to flourish or they won't be able to survive because of the heat and also because of let's say typhoon of course so so that's why um if ever I talk to those people no I would also I would always mention the experiences or let's say the struggles of the people who are the most affected with climate change. That is a great answer. Then that's a great approach that anyone can take, no? especially Filipinos, the ones who are really experiencing this tayo. Mm-hmm. No? And I definitely agree with you na we're not even this is this has been talked about a lot of times na, eh, na we're not the we're not even the greatest contributors. Like we're not even contributing that much, but we are we and other countries in a similar situation are experiencing the brunt of it. So, na-highlight dito that communication, the proper communication, is key to getting people on the same page about environmental problems like climate change. So, I want to circle back to 
that initiative that you mentioned early on when you introduced yourself to our listeners. So I'd like you to talk a bit about Mangrove Matters PH, your purpose, your projects, and your vision for the future. Actually, we just started this really small organization like we're only 10 members <laughs> we started uh-huh. we started this one ano lang during the pandemic <laughs> there was a shift in the school year calendar diba like because because of the pandemic like supposedly yung school namin should have started by june but it extended naging august na lang so during those months i've got nothing to do and also with my friends so why not why not do science communication So we first started off sa Twitter. Like we just tweeted facts about mangroves until such time we were able to conduct a webinar and then right after that one we actually we grew bigger. So we went to Facebook na and even on Instagram. And then it was really overwhelming because um there were we have received a lot of partnership letters. We have received a lot of invitations. Even I myself I've received a lot of speaker invitations for different webinars, different talks, online dialogues. So that's the thing. And networking, of course, um, we were able to connect with different organizations. For example, Oceana Philippines, Earth Island Institute, Asia Pacific, and different universities and different environmental organizations. So the thing about this one, no, um, Mangrove Matters PH, we want to communicate with the people for now in an online setup <laughs> this is because mm-hmm. we're now we're in a global health crisis no so yes. of course don online lang muna but we were actually able to conduct mangrove planting dito sa negros occidental sa silay city so we were in partnership with kabanatan and one child one tea so it was ano for our project no so supposedly or say originally It was a fundraiser. The goal was to reach 21,000 pesos and the money will go to One Child, One Tree for their mangrove nursery project sa Hagonoy, Bulacan. And ang ending, we were able to generate 100,000 pesos. <laughs> Imagine. Ling. So uh, yeah, sobrang ano, sobrang laki yung nakuha namin. So actually si Godwill, siya yung nag-approach sa amin sa page. I'll tell him to listen to this podcast. He invited us sa project, no. And they were finding potential ano organizations to be the recipients of the fundraising event. So ayun, so 1,000 pesos, 70,000 pesos went to One Child One Tree and 30,000 pesos went to Mangrove Matters PH. That's why we were able to do a mangrove planting activity in Silay City, Negros Occidental. So for now, yan yan yung yung project namin. But of course, we have future projects pa naman. So we were pl- we're actually planning to make mangrove cards parang Yu-Gi-Oh cards pero information oh, cool. is about mangroves and because yeah, we want oh. to ano we want to um educate everyone no but for that um our main focus are actually or let's say the target audience or the target people are children but at least um start start them young no <laughs> so because we tama, tama. we want them to ano we want them to appreciate mangroves more so our vision for the future lang we want people to real uh, realize that Mangroves are important. They provide ecological and socio-economic services to everyone. Of course, since we're a youth organization, no, we also want to work with different organizations that manage mangroves. So parang ganun lang. But since most of us are students pa naman, like, wala pa kaming exposure sa working industry. So for now, kahit yeah. communications lang with them. Pero 
who knows in the future, like someone will fund us and then we'll continue planning different projects for our mangroves. But also, but yes. again, we just don't revolve around mangroves. We also talk about seagrasses. We also talk about coral reefs. We also talk about the struggles of the fisher folk communities. And we also advocate for different advocacies. No? We are calling for climate justice. We don't want um, reclamation projects that will um, threaten our environment and also the coastal communities. Parang ganun. Yeah, and syempre, it's like you said, it's good to plant those seeds early. Mm-hmm. No, yung inspire the youth, educate the little ones who will eventually grow up and hopefully become scientists or environmental conservationists or just people who care. People who care about the environment, people who care about science, who care about improving the planet for not just for everyone who is already here, but also for generations to come. Of course. And you know, hearing these initiatives from young people like you, it 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 gives us hope. You know, you you guys are not alone in this. Shempre, there are other. There are so many youth groups who have sprung up and taken up their own battles for for different environmental problems, for different science related causes, and like you, maraming dahil sa pandemic, nag-isip sila ng ways to spend their time productively and. Big things come from these these small initiatives as long as you're dedicated and devoted. Hopefully, you know, in the future when when you guys enter the professional field or finish your degrees then you could you could maybe work with the government with local government agencies, no, to to really bring to light or or expand yung reach ninyo and really be able to communicate this to a broader audience and maybe, you know, at some point in the future even influence policy. Yes, because that's really course. important, eh, mm-hmm. di ba? Yung yung uh, the correct environmental policies. A, a fact that has been stressed in this podcast across multiple episodes. Talagang katuwang ng environmental conservation ang magagandang environmental policies. So for people who want to learn more about Mangrove Matters PH, or maybe invite you to talk for a webinar or to share your knowledge about mangroves about coastal environments here in the Philippines, what's the best way to reach out to you? They can contact me by email. So, Matthew G. Tabilog, G as in grapes. So, Matthew G. Tabilog at su.edu.ph. So, SU Siliman University. So, again, Matthew G. Tabilog at su.edu.ph. So, that's my university email. But they can also contact me on my personal Gmail. So, matthew.tabilog at gmail.com. So, Matthew with double T. They can also message the social media accounts of Mangrove Matters PH. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're also on Twitter. All right. And as someone who is on the scientific track yourself, and having undergone the challenges of learning about science in this pandemic, as well as spearheading this initiative that can potentially have a greater impact on environmental conservation in the Philippines, what is your advice for your fellow aspiring scientists or people who want to become environmental conservationists themselves, especially if they want to do it here in the Philippines? For me lang, personally, just keep doing what you're doing. I didn't even expect na maging ganito yung thesis ko or like magiging ganito na yung um, ways ko right now. And... I would also like to mention, no, like, find a mentor to inspire yourself. Kasi 
ako, I was inspired by my mentors, yung mga teachers ko. I've read their publications. I was able to talk to them. I also asked them for their personal experience. Kasi ako, I'm I'm learning from them. Like They are my mentors. They are my professors. They are my teachers. And the things that I learn from them will be the things that I will apply in the future. So, follow your passion kung anong talaga gusto mo. If you want to serve the people, you want to serve the environment, go with it. Padayon lang. Yun. Galing. Ganda. And I look forward to hearing more about you. I think, yun nga, not just you, but also your organization, your your fellow moderators, your fellow coordinators at Mangrove Matters PH. I think there, there are a lot of great things ahead of you in your future. And I, for one, would be very happy to see what you guys will come up with next. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise. It's great to have someone so young yet so full of knowledge about this topic. And I'm sure that you've inspired a lot of our younger listeners then to, if not pursue the scientific track, just get to learn a little more about it. And I hope that in the future, when you become that professional scientist or you should you decide to really pursue mangrove conservation or defending the, the Philippines' coastal environments, we could have you here on the podcast again. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, and I'm sure our listeners are happy too. So take care, stay safe, and keep in touch. Thank you so much. Hey everyone! I just wanted to share that Flip Science has officially launched its second book, Science Scramble, over 200 amazing facts and incredible stories. Indulge your curiosity and enrich your mind with this illustrated book full of fun trivia, surprising tales, and mythbusters, all related to science. Check out Flip Science on Facebook, Flip Science PH on Twitter, and Flip Facts Daily on Instagram to learn more. Also, follow Flip Science on Shopee if you want to buy our current and future books and merchandise. <laughs>